Welcome to Tardisian Files, a show dedicated to reviewing and discussing aspects of one of the most loved and longest-running British sci-fi shows. This podcast is a non-profit, fan-led series where we pull together sources from all across Doctor Who's extended media, including the show itself, comics, audio stories, and novels. Hello everybody! So, in today's episode we're going to be reviewing the second instalment of the Doctor Who 60th anniversary, The Wild Blue Yonder. So, so, the gist of the episode is that the Doctor and Donna find themselves stranded on a ship at the literal edge of the universe, the ship's abandoned, and they come face to face with entities from the edge of the universe called the Nothings. And it's the presence of these creatures that took caused the TARDIS to run away due to the hostile action displacement circuit being reactivated during the time the TARDIS was rebuilding itself after Donna clumsily doused the console with coffee. The Doctor and Donna are terrorised and pursued by the Nothings as they attempt to copy them further and further, becoming more and more like the Doctor and Donna. Meanwhile, the ship has been set to a very slow countdown to self-destruct. In the final moments of the episode, Donna is very nearly left behind for the fake Donna until the Doctor finds out that despite the fact that the no-thing Donna was a 99.9% copy of Donna, he was able to realise that the fake Donna's wrist was 0.6mm longer than it should have been. Donna is saved, and the no-things are blown up with the ship. Now, while this was a fairly simple episode with a very basic plot and no subplots to really fill the time, there were still a lot of aspects of this episode that I thought were quite notable. They stood out and made it a wonderful sort of thriller episode to sort of sit down and watch and focus solely on the Doctor and Donna. So, some notable points will be that the no-things are very similar to the Midnight Entity in the sense that they learn by copying, by adapting, and by mimicking, and essentially in some cases trying to usurp or replace their victims. In the Midnight Entity's case, it would drain the victim of its voice. In this case, the no-things would essentially map themselves onto their prey copying them and terrorising them so that their brains would work faster, allowing them to copy them faster, and essentially become physical, biological, and psychological copies of their target. So this was quite notable because even though we've seen similar mimicking entities and shapeshifters, this was the first time where at the edge of the universe we've got these no-things and there's still a lot of mystery about how they evolved, their intentions, etc. The two that we saw on, on the ship in the episode, they, their sole intention was to wait for the TARDIS to return and then return to the universe where they could wreak havoc, having been influenced by the thoughts and feelings and essentially the warlike ways of the universe that they felt was so far away from them. 
So that's what made the Nothing villains stand out, was that even though they're a fairly basic idea, it the showrunners took this idea and they ran with it, and they were able to create a very well-rounded and very threatening thriller-like villain. Like, they didn't have to be particularly big or scary, they just had to be unsettling and creepy, and the episode did that in a really really emotional and tense way and I think it was delivered very well by both Catherine Tate and Donna and David Tennant who would have been doubling up on both the Doctor and Donna and these villainous roles. So that was the first aspect of the episode that was amazing. Additionally we see a lot of character development on both the Doctor and Donna's side because as they consistently get separated and have to come face to face with the no things they have to figure out which one of them is real and which one of them is fake. In one scene we see the no thing Doctor essentially coax a confession out of the 14th Doctor where he expresses remorse and guilt from the flux and feeling responsible for it and also his mixed feelings about the revelation that he is the timeless child. And then additionally we see another level of Donna's character development where she still exhibits the same insecurities that she exhibited in series 4. However, she has also come to accept that while she does feel stupid, she also knows she's brilliant. And kind of showing that dichotomy of human psychology that we can be both hard on ourselves and prop ourselves up and, and feel confident in our abilities. And that was a very Donna moment because she, we spent all of season four hearing how she felt she was nothing and then seeing her become, by the Doctor's words, the most powerful woman in creation. And even though she's given up her Metacrisis powers now, she still knows that she is brilliant and that she is enough. And that was very refreshing to hear so that we don't have to constantly hear Donna's internal monologue of her not being good enough. It's nice to see that her character has developed confidence over the last 15 or so years and that it was just very relatable, I thought. I thought it definitely endeared Donna to the new audiences as well. Additionally, even though the plot itself was fairly simplistic, you know, abandoned ship, mysterious robot, strange unsettling villains, being chased, etc., there was still an aspect of mystery, and it all hinged on a very simple but very pivotal plot aspect, which was the TARDIS not being present. No TARDIS meant no translation matrix, which meant the Donna and Doctor kept hearing the intercom saying these strange phrases, but they had no idea what it was. And it was only revealed in the last minute that this intercom was in fact a countdown. The numbers weren't being translated, so because the Doctor and Donna didn't know about the countdown until the last minute, neither did the creatures, which gave them time to speed up the countdown and eventually detonate the ship, taking the no-things with them. Additionally, we also see further sort of backstory for Donna, how she was actually born in Southampton, another thing that became pivotal when she was trying to discern when she was in the presence of the Doctor and when she was in the presence of the fake Doctor. So that was a nice little comedic story where Sylvia's own sister couldn't even 
be bothered to go and see her nine-month pregnant sister, leading to Donna, by Sylvia's description, being an inconvenience from day one. Not the most uplifting thing to hear from one's mother, but hey, it's Sylvia Noble, and she's not the most hands-on parent, but who cares, it was funny, and it was a nice little extra added comedic anecdote to add to Donna's already very comedic persona. Likewise, we also see the episode delving into the Doctor's fairly reserved psyche and his own mental health, actually, because we see him admitting that he something has been weighing heavily on him at the end of the episode, and Donna even goes as far as to prod him and say, are you okay? And the Doctor says, I won't be, but I will be in a million years. And even though that might have been a slight joke on his part, it was still an important aspect of the show, I think, to allow the audience to remember that the Doctor is still a mortal being, still very much of this universe, and even though they tend to be above outward displays of emotions, things do weigh on them heavily. I mean, we've seen it in plenty of audios where we see alternate versions of the Doctor being impacted differently by their experiences. And it seems that the earlier delving into the Doctor's feelings towards the Flux and being the timeless child and how he feels responsible for half the universe being destroyed by the Flux, it's, it's important, it, it, it sort of endeared the Doctor to the audiences again, showing that while the Doctor and the show has very much moved on from the plot of Flux, the aftermath and the impact that it's had on the characters who remember it is still there, and it will still be a relevant part of the Doctor's character development going forward. Another very powerful moment of the episode that had us all on the edge of our seats was the fact that the Doctor very nearly left Donna behind. Now, bearing in mind the no-thing Donna had copied her almost 99.9%, and it was that small, that tiny detail that the TARDIS detected and showed the Doctor right at the last minute, but I thought it really had that same effect of that last minute plot twist that pretty much every episode of season four with the Doctor and Donna had, where there was always one last thing, one last thing to make the Doctor turn back and fix something. We saw it with the Doctor in the library, for example, when he goes back for River's screwdriver and ends up saving her in the data core. And it just had that same energy of, wait, there's one more thing, quickly back up, go back. And even though it definitely pulled at our heartstrings a little bit, it kept true to that same Doctor and Donna in the TARDIS, tension, adventure, action, everything. And I thought it was just a really important throwback to the Doctor and Donna's first time in the TARDIS and staying on theme for the 60th anniversary. Another important note for the villains of this episode, the no-things, is their weakness. The more they copied the Doctor and Donna, the more constrained by the same physical limitations that the Doctor and Donna are constrained by they became, the more size limited they became, the more um, physically limited they became, like they were quite literally morphing themselves into perfect replicas of the Doctor and Donna. And I think that it was very important to have that weakness written into the villain because it means that 
whoever comes up against the know-things has to have a high level of self-awareness and is essentially working against the clock to outsmart themselves. And now bearing in mind this isn't the first time we've seen this trope, in, in fact in the last big anniversary for Doctor Who, in the 50th anniversary, we see Elizabeth I using that very same aspect of a villain, in this case her Zygon double, and says in her own words that while she may have had the body of a feeble woman at the time, so did the creature, using her own physical weaknesses against her adversary and overpowering her. Another notable moment, which is probably either going to carry on into the next season with the 15th Doctor, or segue right into the next episode of the 60th anniversary, is the Doctor who invoked a superstition at the edge of the universe. And he even says he was worried, because this is the part of the universe where the walls are thin and anything could happen. And this makes me think that, is this what allows the Celestial Toymaker to return, or is this going to be revisited with Shuti Gatwa's 15th Doctor and Millie Gibson in the TARDIS? Well, we'll have to wait until next week to find out, but I'm kind of leaning towards it being the former rather than the latter. But then it would still be interesting to see how the universe could potentially change due to this tiny act of, well, pouring salt. And of course, the most notable moment of this episode is, just as Russell T Davis promised in this week's news, a cameo from Bernard Cribbins' Wilfred Mott. At the end of the episode, we see the amazing Wilf return and be reunited with the Doctor and Donna. Additionally, also setting up the next episode where we saw the streets erupting into chaos, which confirms my theory that whatever the toy maker is up to, it involves mind control of humans and causing a worldwide aggression outbreak in the population. The end credits even honoured the lace actor, which was a nice touch because Wilf was a fan favourite for many fans of the Series 4 show. I know I was a massive fan of Wilfred Mott's character, so it was really nice to see that the actor appeared as we all hoped he would, because there was some doubt after he passed whether his scenes would be cut or whether he would appear at all, but it's nice to know that they followed through on bringing Wilfred back, even if it was momentarily. So the pros for this episode, I have to start with another moment from the episode which the eagle-eyed of the audience will know about, that we all saw Nathaniel Curtis playing Isaac Newton. Now, for those who are It's a Sin fans, or have watched The Witcher Blood Origin, it was just amazing to see Nathaniel Curtis slipping into the role of someone so unexpected like Isaac Newton, and, you know, doing what he always does and making literally any role he slips into sexy. Like, even the Doctor and Donna said, oh, was Isaac Newton hot? Yeah, he was hot. <laughs> I'm right there with you guys. That was a very nice touch to see. And the Mavity as opposed to Gravity joke, bit of a throwaway line, but I liked it. You know, it's a bit quirky. Why not? This is the Doctor and Donna we're talking about here. Another pro was the villain, because even though they were fairly basic, you know, clone copy entities with a bit of a creepy persona, like, so what? 
it was fun, it was tense, it was scary, and the episode actually used this fear and tension rather than actual outward scary visuals to keep us engaged and also show some wonderful character development in both the Doctor and Donna, which I thought really was a good use of a villain. And on the same subject of tension, the moment where the Doctor nearly left Donna behind, I'm fairly certain he would have gotten a slap for that, maybe off screen, but oh well. It was another very tense moment, and like I said before, it had that same series 4 last minute twist magic, which we've all been missing, and it was just perfectly written and performed, and it fit very nicely with the whole tense, shocking, mystery aspect of the episode. Additionally, it was really good to have an episode that was focused solely on the Doctor and Donna without subplots or stuff to divert the audience's attention. It allowed for some serious character development and some much needed heavy on-screen time with just the Doctor and Donna. If anything, the episode was very Doctor Donna heavy because they were both the protagonists and the antagonists in this episode. And finally, the other massive pro of this episode was the very good use of the Disney Plus budget in creating yet another wonderful, very interactive, very bright and visual and convincing set for the ship. It's nice to see that the writers of the show have become a lot more ambitious with their plots and they're making very good use of this investment from Disney Plus to bring us into this new era of Doctor Who for potentially another 60 years to come. However, with every balanced review, there do come a few cons and a few nitpicks I had with this episode. So, since this is the first outing for the Doctor and Donna in 15 years, I personally think this episode would have been better as a penultimate episode of a longer series. Now I know that obviously with the 60th anniversary you kind of don't expect it to be drawn out too heavily because most anniversaries only got one episode and we're lucky enough to get three. That said, it's one of those things where we've only just got Donna back in the TARDIS, we're only really seeing the 14th Doctor for a limited time which we all know, so even though it's good to have that Doctor and Donna heavy episode, it makes more sense to me to show them having maybe at least one or two more adventures, potentially carrying on that whole damaged TARDIS trope, before they finally crash on this ship and have that moment where they have character development before finally returning to Earth and seeing Wilf. Personally, I think this would have allowed for a lot more character development, but at the same time, because it is a very short series and it is a small event which should be confined only really to a certain number of episodes, I can see why this episode was thrown in as the second episode rather than extending the 60th anniversary for perhaps longer than it ought to be. Additionally, the no things were a tiny bit underwhelming, like they weren't as scary as they could have been for some audiences. Now, I'm sure this episode was trying to go for a more thriller rather than scary episode, but at the same time, for example, the Midnight Entity, which was this similar sort of mimicking unseen force from a seemingly uninhabited place, it still managed to be unsettling, threatening, and scary. Like, they had that all in one, whereas the 
no things appeared quite quickly and it sort of seemed to jump into that psycho thriller theme of the episode very quickly. Additionally, there were only two of these entities that we know of or at least saw on screen. Personally, I think it would have helped if there were a group of them because then it would have sort of upped the stakes for the episode, kind of helped make it a bit more tense and a bit more of a thriller. Um, I just think that a villain like this would probably travel in groups of more than two and it definitely would have helped because they could have potentially used the forms of Donna's family against her as well because as we saw at the start of the episode that was Donna's main concern of getting back to her family. So that could have added an extra layer to the psychological thriller aspect of this episode so potentially I would have liked to have seen a bit more of that. Additionally, the setting for the episode being the edge of the universe again seemed a bit underwhelming, like it felt a bit like a missed opportunity because the Doctor had never been out there, he didn't know much about it, you know, it, but at the same time it missed that lack, that sort of um, mysterious mystical aspects that was associated with places like the void for example like there was no real explanation why the time lords had never been to the edge of the universe or why the doctor didn't know much about it it was just sort of yeah this is the edge of the universe it's far away the the walls of the universe are thin here like even though it was still this mysterious underexplored place with these really strange inhabitant nothing entities it didn't have that same mystical aspect the places like the void which also had its own surprises had like i think that the edge of the universe could have been sort of hyped up a bit more with the idea of the doctor going off on that same sort of monologue that he would have used to have gone on when they ended up in this uh, these unfamiliar settings but instead it was like yep this is the edge of the universe never been here before this is interesting and that was it. So while the use of the setting and the set designs and the villains were all really amazing, I do think that there were some aspects of it that maybe weren't rushed but were just underexplored, were a bit underwhelming and maybe missed the mark ever so slightly in terms of creating that tense, very unsure, uncharted, untethered feeling that the episode was trying to go for. That said, the episode still managed to deliver on creating a very tense, very high-stakes episode, and it was nice that the Doctor and Donna had that very focused episode where we could see that character development just on the two of them, no subplots, it could just be the Doctor and Donna in an adventure together, just like old times. It was able to bring out a lot of... Um, character development and lots of opportunities to kind of show yes this is the 14th doctor he's similar to the 10th but he is different and donna's different too they both changed and evolved and they're at the point where they ask each other things like how they're doing and are they okay and i think it was just a really nice way of showing that yeah they're they're still the same in some ways but they've also changed in others so I'm going to give this episode an overall rating of 10 out of 15. It was very tense, a very high stakes episode and showed a lot of good character development for the characters, but it did also underuse the setting and the villains ever so slightly.
So, yeah. That's my review of The Wild Blue Yonder. Join us next week for the review of The Giggle, where we will see Neil Patrick Harris making his Doctor Who debut as the Celestial Toymaker, and we will once again bid adieu to David Tennant as the Doctor, and welcome Shuti Gatwa as the 15th Doctor. See you then, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like and share with your friends. You can also listen to extracts from our podcast on our TikTok and Instagram pages at Tardisian Files Podcasts. You can also join our Reddit community at Tardisian Files Podcast and put forward suggestions for future episodes. And as always, see you next time on Tardisian Files.